Now make sure you wave at somebody and tell them good morning. Could you imagine how the earth reacted when he said, let there be light? Talking about waking the earth up. You know, sometimes as redundant as it may seem, I've caught myself riding down the road not knowing the whole song, but knowing a verse and sing it. And then it wouldn't leave me, and I would sing it all day long in the truck. I know, I'm crazy, but you've done it too, don't lie. You've had a beat in your head, and that thing played all day. But um, <laughs> what better way could we spend our time than to worship him? Have you ever thought about it? I wonder what we do with our time during the day. I wonder if our time that we've used and that we've spent throughout the day is spent worshiping him or is it worshiping ourselves? I wonder how many calendars, if, if I could be nosy and break open your calendars and look at your calendars and see how often there's time set aside that I'm going to worship God. But I'm sure there's times that it's doctor this or doctor that. And Lord knows I'm going through it right now. Pray for me that my patients aren't for Satan wishes to sift me. But I hope that I have you praying that my faith not fail. But how often can we open up calendars and... I mean, we've got phones that, and Debbie makes me try to do this all the time. And when it goes ding, I just say, okay, delete. And I don't forgot what it even dinged for. So if I miss a lunch engagement with you, it's not because I don't want to be there. I probably forgot. But man, we, we look at so many things involved in our life and what we set our eyes focus on. And, and that's how we live out our day but where where does God fit in have you ever I mean have you ever really just thought about it I mean God gets me in the most inopportune times probably opportunity for him but inopportune for me but he'll ask where do I stand where am I Oh, I see you You got your appointment book full today. But where am I? And uh, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to live. We are supposed to live. And we're supposed to live abundantly. And all that we do and all that we live is for his worship. And we ought to be grateful and thankful for all that he does and that he tolerates. Anybody in here understand what I'm saying when I say God tolerates us? Uh, you keep living. You'll figure it out. Trust me, God tolerates you every day. That's by his mercy and his grace. If you've got your Bibles, let's open up. I love this book. 
Turn to Joshua chapter 3. I just love this book. I have preached from this book many a time. And there's something that jumped out that I want to dive into just a little bit further because there and I and we've gone over it. You've read it, you've seen it, you've thought about it. But I promise you don't know where I'm going with it. But we've entitled this message Your Next Step. Anybody ready for your next step? Amen. All right, now listen, liven up now. All right. You didn't got soaked and oiled up real good. You ought to be okay to move and rejoice and and hand clap every once in a while for God and just say amen every once in a while. Just let me know that you're still here. Amen. If I catch you sleeping, I'm coming by you. This morning, I'm going to shake your tree. Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to just read verses 14 through 16. And then we'll go to Acts. Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 14. So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as they, as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priest who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the Jordan overflows all its bank during the whole time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. Here, here was the key thing. Adam. The city that is by Zeratan. So the waters that went down into the Sea of the Arabia, the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Flip to Acts chapter 28, verse 25. And I'm just going to, well, no, I'm going to read the whole, the whole verse. I only highlighted the latter half, but let's read the whole verse. Therefore, take heart, men. Therefore, take heart, men. I believe God. Therefore, take heart, church. For I believe God that it will be just as it was told. Man, we we find ourselves in the middle of a transition with the Israelites again. And Joshua 
God, God's been talking to Joshua, pretty much the opening of Joshua. The first nine, the first nine verses of chapter 1, God was directly speaking to Joshua. And he was encouraging Joshua. And, and he also let Joshua, and some of you probably need to know, but he also let Joshua know that Moses, my servant, is dead. See, sometimes we need to be left in a state in our mind that what it was that we have depended on for so long is not there. Why? So that God can get our dependency. I wonder how many of you rely on something of yours. How many of you relied on your alarm clock this morning to wake you up? Man, ain't that funny? What if the power would have went out? I still got my cell phone, Pastor. I know, you got that. It's of the devil. I'm joking. But it can be. You got to be careful. But we relied on the alarm clock this morning to wake us from a sleep. But yet we won't rely on God to take us for a walk. We relied on our jobs to give us our paychecks last week. But better wrote me a check. But we won't rely on God to take us for a walk. We rely on our spouses to handle certain things in the home. But we won't rely on God. To take us for a walk. We have gotten so, so, uh, so comfortable in our position in life that we no longer desire nor dream our next step. And here's, here's half of the problem. And, and, and I come to you this morning with a little bit of a prophetic edge because I, I want you to know that church, that church, church has gone through generations. And this is where the Israelites are stuck right now. They are stuck. Joshua is talking to a new generation of Israelites. Remember? Because up to this point, all the other Israelites that were in bondage have died and gone on. Now here stands Joshua in the midst of a whole new group of people that have no idea what the purpose of getting into the promised land is all about. Matter of fact, I would say that most of them were happy where they were. They were in their wilderness walk. See, some of, some of us, we're going to look at the wilderness walk as, whoa, I don't want none of that. But you got to understand these people were born in the wilderness. This is what they knew. Some of us were introduced to religion. Some of us have lived in a state of religion. And this is what we know. And we're comfortable with religion. And as soon as a word is spoken that provokes us to get outside of a religious mentality and step into a kingdom mentality, uh-oh, something's happened and they're either full of heresy Y'all help me this morning. 
the church has gone through generations. And some of the church that we now tend with are churches that were born in the wilderness state. And they're comfortable with where they are and God has called them to another place. But because they have become comfortable. Listen, you were tended to in the wilderness. You've seen a miracle here or there. You heard a tongue or two. You had a good praise worship service. You had a good teaching or a preaching. You had great outreach. But they're all of that in the wilderness state of the church. And we're comfortable. We're setting back and we're okay. Nobody, the church has refused to step into We're comfortable. I mean, after all, we were being fed. Didn't even have to work for that food. All we had to do was get up and go outside the tents. Oh, our clothes stayed nice and pressed. I ain't got a wrinkle in this one, do it. In the back. That's because I put it on and I sat down. Their clothes were maintained in the wilderness state. They they were sheltered in their wilderness state. The cloud by day, the fire by... Come on, church. Everything was taken care of, man. Everything was okay. And that is what's happened with the church. The church has become complacent in a state of wilderness. And we want to know why the world is imploding on itself. I wonder what God has called you to. Can I take it personal with you for a minute? Are you living what God promised you? Good morning. Boy, they, some of them say, I wish the alarm clock didn't go off this morning. Pastor's a little pushy. I wonder how many of us are living out the promise that we had, that we heard God give us. I wonder how many of us are actually walking in the fruition of the fruits. Or are we in our wilderness state? And we've heard it from old time sayings. If this was meant to be. Oh boy. John, God can come and give you encouragement, but he can't do it for you. Oh, God can strengthen you, but he can't do it for you. Come on. I'm going to get your head spinning. We, we all have been, because we've heard it. We're used to hearing it this way. Waiting on the Lord. How much longer are you waiting? Because God's already put the road in front of you. He's waiting on you to walk it. See, we'll gather these promises out of the word. And we'll say, oh, we're going to be blessed going in and blessed going. We seen that sign the other morning. And blessed be to God. It was so true. It's even true in the secular world. You want to know how I know? Because we walked up into a restaurant yesterday morning on, the, on a bike ride. 
And it said, you'll be blessed coming in, you'll be blessed going out. Boy, I was blessed going out. I was full. But we, we get hung up in these, in this complacency of, man, if it's meant to be, God will do it. God's, <clears throat> okay, we've taken credit away from God because the last time I read about God, God was already there waiting on us. He's already been there and done that. He's waiting on you now. Do y'all remember the lepers outside of the gate? And they talked to each other and said, well, you know what? If we stay here, we go die. That's a certain. But if we go over there, we might not. There might be a possibility they might feed us. They might take us in. Now, we might die over there too. But we know one thing for certain. We're going to die right here. How many of us are willing to take the chance on God? How many of us are willing to let God take us for a walk? Are you ready to rely on God yet? Or are you still trying to do it in your strength? Oh, let me, well, okay. Let's go on back into the Bible. Because y'all need all the, every time I say something, y'all need scripture to back it. So I'm going to give it to you. There's Elijah laying up underneath the broom tree. And the angel came by to feed Elijah. And he said, hey, remember he slapped him. That's what that little chance slapped him upside the head. Wake him up. He was a man. That's how we know he slapped for sure because he was stubborn. That's what men are made of, stubbornness. But he slapped him. And well, he said, here, take this and eat because you can't make it on your own strength. That's right. That's right. Well, some of us, some of us will never live out our potential because we, <laughs> we will live out up to our preparation. Your potential, your potential ain't to be the one to cut the hair. But your preparation right now has you there. What if you prepared differently? Whew. Oh, I'm going to pull your chains all morning long. Because the church is dying in a wilderness that they were meant to be set free in. And he, poor Joshua, man. But don't you know, well, let's go back to that. See, this ain't even in the notes. This is free. You don't even have to pay for this one. Look at Joshua. Now look at how many people has been born in the wilderness and how many people have come along in the wilderness. Joshua, 80-some years old. But Joshua had been prepared for this point. What, nobody else hanging out in the tent of meetings with Moses? Y'all ain't with me. See, when everybody else was all nestled in their bed and sugar plums dancing in that, y'all know how that song goes. 
Joshua was in the tent, tucked away in the corner, listening in on Moses. That that boy was nosy, always wanting to hear what God had to say, and was willing to put himself in position to prepare for his next step. The church is okay with being nestled in their beds. You call for a prayer meeting, buddy, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get a tenth. I don't even know that you'll get a tenth. Come on, pastor, don't get in my soup bowl this morning. I'm trying not to. But see, when, when the church calls for something out of the... Ooh. When the church calls for something out of the ordinary... Oh, no, I... Now, I <laughs> You broke back into your, I wish I had my phone. You broke back into your calendar again. Well, on Tuesday, can we, me and you ought to just dance up here. We can. But is it, listen, I, I shouldn't have used that. Yes, I should have. When the church calls for you to do something different than what you're doing now, because the church understands, I'm saying the church, I'll blame it on me. Blame it on the pastor. He gets it all the time anyway. When I call you to do something out of the ordinary, when I ask you to sacrifice a little bit of time and step into something different, it's because God's already shown me a potential in you, but you're so tied up in living out your preparation that you went, you'll never live out your potential. Because everything else has you consumed in this life. And you're worried more about missing this appointment or doing that thing or getting filled up here or going to lunch there that you have forgotten who it was that brought you to the point in which you are. If it was not God, if it was not for God at the point in time in your life, you wouldn't even be in the wilderness. You would still be held up in captivity. But we want to blame everything and everybody else. I'm sorry. It's it's one of them mornings. He's just flipping in my stomach. God has called his church and has called his church and has called his church and has called his church because he is relentless. I'm glad he didn't give up on me when I gave up on him. But there's going to be a day that he's going to just say, have at it. Then what? Oh, you might be successful. You, you might get the American dream. I used to put this out to guys in the car business. We're going to get married, have a kid, and a white picket fence, and a house, and everything's good. If that's all your ambition in life, what purpose are you fulfilling? I would hate to think that my purpose in life is to have a house and a white picket fence. That's why I look at people crazy, man, when they tell me, oh, well, we happen to be out of a blob. What's your purpose in life then? Who wants to live a life with no purpose? 
Well, Pastor, my purpose, I don't, listen. We have to go back to here to find our purpose. Your purpose isn't dependent on what job you took, what man you married, what house you sell, where you live, what you do. It's not your You better find out your purpose. And your purpose, long and short of it, is to glorify God. So I've got to ask you a question. It's a hard question. But I need every one of you to pay attention to it. Is the purpose that you're fulfilling right now for selfish desire from selfish motivation? Or is it to glorify God? I ain't saying you got to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You ain't got to be a pre- I ain't. I'm not saying all. I'm asking you, are you walking out the purpose that God created you for? Or are you still sitting in the wilderness? Because everything's taken care of for you there. See, Joshua was able to come to an understanding that I've got a purpose in my life. And God had to come back and tell him after all the preparation had been done. See, a lot of us, we go through a lot of things in our life when we don't even understand why until we get to the point where we needed what we were prepared for. Whew, almost passed out on that one. <laughs> have you, have you, has anybody else been there? I, look, I've, I've done it and, and gone, John, three and four and five years and not understand why am I going through the hell that I'm experiencing until I get to the point in my life and I go, wow. That's why. Because it was preparing me for my potential. You don't know how far you can go until you go. You don't know how much more you... Come on, y'all, everybody in here is guilty of this saying, and I'm not going to hold you. I don't know how much more I can handle. I can't take any more. Pat, you ever said that? I know you've said it. You own up to it, sweetheart. I know you've said it. We've all said it. We've all walked in our life and said, that's it. I can't take any. I'm done. Because it's easier to quit. Pastor, what does this have to do? Just hang on. I don't know. Ask him. I'll get to a note in a minute. But we have suffered so long in the wilderness. And God has called you to your next step. See, there's going to be some of you that's going to go. There's going to be some of you that's going to leave it. Not leave the church. But some, are, some are willing to take the next step. And others are going, well, you know... If I go, I'm going to have to, <laughs> you're going to have to be man up, right? <laughs> Boy, it really stinks when we got a man up or woman up. I ain't going to leave y'all out. Y'all need to do it too. But our next step is going to put us in a position to where fear and faith are going to collide.
See, we've always thought, because we've been taught this way, we've always thought that the opposite of faith is fear. That's a lie. That's a lie from hell. <laughs> the opposite of faith is doubt. It's not fear. See, I can, and I'm full of fear all the time, most likely, when I got to preach. Because I don't like talking in front of people. Y'all look at me like, well, I don't see that. Well, you're not me. That's why I have to suck on my power pills because my mouth will dry up. I have fear, but I got faith that God will carry it. I got faith that God's going to do whatever God's got to do, whether it's just for you or whether it's for all of you. I got to have faith in God that he's going to give you whatever it is that you need. It ain't... Ooh. Okay, I'm going to give you this point. Sometimes, even in our preparation, isn't directly related to our potential. Because I've studied for 30 and 40 hours on a sermon and get out and not even be able to preach it. Because <laughs> it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit. We just have to do, man, listen, if you're not doing... If all you're going to do is come to church on Sunday and all you're going to do is come to church on Wednesday and that's all you're going to do, I promise you, you're going to be standing at the gates and that is where you will die. We don't give God enough credit. I'm trying to tell God has got so much more, not only just for you, because I don't want to get into that, I'm that personal motivator to get you built up so that you'll do more than what you're doing. I want you to do what it is that God wants you to do. And God has much more involved in us for the kingdom's sake. Yes, he cares how you live. Yes, he does want you to prosper. Yes, he does want you to be whole. Yes, 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 and yes to all of that, yes. But I'm telling you now, all of that yes is tied to one thing. And if we start, because this is where it's dangerous. This is where it's dangerous because we hear this type of preaching. It's dangerous to tell you that God wants you to prosper. And next thing you know, buddy, you you bouncing on prayer nights. You bouncing on church nights. You bounce. I'm just being honest with you. And the next thing you know, everything that God desired for you has become self-centered. Now, he is no longer God in your life. He is a God. Uh, he's no longer Lord of your life. Because he doesn't have rule over it. Well, I thought you said God won't make us to, he won't. That's why you're in a position that you... I need to be... Joshua's talking to this generation that did not understand. They, they didn't, this generation that Joshua was dealing with didn't have, they didn't have the context of the importance of getting to the promised land. They, they, they didn't know because they, see, if, if, you're, if you've never experienced 
If you've never experienced captivity and bondage, you'll never understand wilderness to the promised land. You're, you're not, not going to get what it means to be free. You're, you're going you're to be a little freer than what you were or what you've been told that you were through your ancestors. But if you've never experienced that, it's just like owning a car. If I buy you a car, the chances of you taking care of that car is less than if you bought your own car. You'll forget my oil change. You'll put my car wash off. Come on. Look, I know people that was blessed on a job, got brand new vehicles, stayed home and washed it on church day. And I'm going... Hope you wash it real good for the next owner. Now, but we're going to take this step. So let me, let me unpack this just a little bit. That was, our, that was our pre-sermon to the sermon. Now we're going to get to the sermon. Joshua has told the priest... That I want you to pick up the ark and you're going to lead the people. And he's telling the people, get all your stuff together. Make preparations for your potential. Gather your stuff for in three days we're going to cross this door. Y'all remember that? He said, get prepared. Make preparation for your potential. Your potential is to cross this door. Can you imagine all them Christian people (laughs) looking at that Jordan and they're going, God, you could at least wait until like, you know, fall or something. We over here in the spring. Don't you know that the Jordan is flooded? Do you not know that in some places the Jordan River was a mile wide? Now you okay, see, just to tell you that it was a mile wide doesn't get you doesn't get you twisted up yet. Let me, let me tell you what's happened here. You, you've got the Jordan River that's been washed out for years and years and years and years. And it's like a gorge. It's, it's, a, it's a valley. It's, they're, they're, they're saying some, some areas is probably 20 to 30 foot drop to get down into it. So it wasn't just a matter of just stepping off. Okay. So here's the priest. They're stepping out into flooded waters. Now, mind you, the water is now encroached up to a mile wide. I don't know if it was 80 feet or 115. I don't know any of that. I just, up to a mile, I do know that. So I'm going to use a mile wide because that just goes with me. I look for the worst case scenario because I want to see God move bigger. See, y'all just think, well, it was probably only 20. That's fine. If that's the only, if that's the only size God you want to serve, then you serve it, baby. and you, you do it the best that you can do it with. I'm going with a mile because my God's bigger. Greater is he that is in me. Never mind. So here you've got this gigantic Jordan that has swelled over the banks Now you're not just dealing with the water in the gorge. You're dealing with the water in the forest. (laughs) See, it's not the trouble that you're the trouble that you're in or the trouble that you need to worry about isn't always the trouble that you see. It's what's hidden beneath it. 
Come on, think about it. Think about how much, have anybody ever been in a flood or seen the effects of a flood? I mean, you've, you've really seen it. We had a flood back in 87, I think it was, 85, 85. And it, and it flooded, I don't know, three, four feet in the house, whatever it was. But when you went to go back to the house and look, man, there was logs and brush and undergrowth that was just piled up and had been brought down by the river and I, just a mess. Imagine these priests. They they smarter than most of us. They see the water and they're going, okay, I mean, that's fine, but what am I going to step into? What current? Oh, Okay, I, I see this trouble and God, I got the faith to handle this, this right here. But what's the undercurrent? It's, it's that unforeseen thing that comes and takes us out. It's, it's that unforeseen thing that will wipe us off of our feet. See, we can deal with this out here right now, but what happens if they start? What, I'll take care of this child, but what happens if the other child comes barging into the house about the same time and tells me something worse than what I'm dealing with in front of me? Now it's caught me completely off guard. That's the priest. Having to feel their way. Making sure they weren't just going to drop off a 20-foot ledge. Having to deal with the brush and the shrubbery that was all in... They had the forest, the trees, and everything. And it was their faith that was going to have to take them out there. See, your next step may cause you to walk in things that you've not seen before. But if you're not prepared for that voyage, you'll never gain the potential. But it's all in your next step. Or the lack of. And the Israelites have been hanging out in that wilderness for so long. Just like me and you. We've come this far. Man, I've made it this far. Surely, this is as far as I got to go. And I'm sitting every day going, but God, if we could do this and put that together and put this over here and put that. The worst thing he could ever give me was vision. That's the worst thing he could ever, because I want it now. Sometimes I want to skip past the preparation, Charlie, because I already know the potential of God. I've seen that. We've experienced it in our life. We've experienced it in ministry. We already know God's potential. I want to live in God's potential, not in my preparation, because I lack a lot of that. I'm, I'm the only one I'm preaching to myself now. God, we've lost every one of them in here. I just got a couple notes. I still got you. Well, baby girl, I'm going to preach to you. Mm. Some of what you've gone through was necessary for you to understand the importance of who he is. See, with Joshua, Joshua knew. He'd come out of bondage. He knew the importance of going to the promised land. He already, he's already been there. He understood the importance of it. But too many times we set in our wilderness state because we've not been in the bondage and we don't really understand the necessity. I mean, besides, air's on 68 and everybody's nice and cool and I'm sweating like a pig. I mean, everything is cool, right? 
I mean, besides, we got lights. I'm not having to stand in waist-deep water to hear somebody preach. I got a comfortable seat. I mean, besides, the, the wilderness, come on, admit it. The wilderness is kind of okay, isn't it? You come in and get you a cup of coffee if you want it. You might not like the praise and worship. You might not like the building. But, I mean, after all, the wilderness, it's okay. We're not out there swatting flies. I, I need to take y'all out there. So you can swat flies and mosquitoes. That way I know you're still living. I might think it's your hallelujah. And, right? I might think you amening me down. I see you start going like this. Miss Pat, you might jump up like that because a bug got on your leg. And I might think you done found something. We don't ever know. But our next step is going to cause a lot of pressure in our lives. But we have to learn who's in charge because the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. We, we, he's a light unto my path and a lamp. We, we've got to see... He's gone before us and paved the road. He already knows the potholes in it. He knows where the city is lacking. He's already put detour signs up. Don't go down this road. There's too many potholes. I don't want you. But see, we, we ignore that. But God, it's a lot quicker. Uh-oh, there it is. It's a lot quicker, God, if I go this route. No, I want you to go this way because I've got some stuff I still need to teach you. You have to wait a little while because I'm busy. i got some stuff to do. And as soon as I... <laughs> I told <laughs> I told him this morning, I said, well, God might have been a little busy. It took him a little time to get to you. Yeah, that's right. He might have been a little busy. He might have, he might have been dealing with me. Probably was. <laughs> well, well... <laughs> I ain't going to deny it. God's got his hand full with your preaching. <laughs> oh, everything's okay in the wilderness, but it's not the destination. Do you, do you want to just live enough? Is that where you want to be in life? Just, just enough. I mean, Charlie, after all, bills are getting paid. and <laughs> Shoot, Charlie, I made it all week and didn't get beat by my wife. I'm doing pretty good. After all. Right? Right. But after all, it's been pretty good. But Charlie, I don't, I don't want to live next week like I lived this week, I would hope that I would increase somewhere in my life. Sometimes I take advantage of it. If I learn something early in the morning, I take the rest of the day off work because I didn't learn something. Other times it takes me all day to learn something. So I take advantage of when I can learn it pretty quick. But many of us, we don't want to step into anything that it feels like it might overtake us. 
because we like to be in control. And that's not what God's intended. God's intended for him to be in control. But you still have that same free will that you had when you was all jacked up. Y'all remember? Or has it been that long? Y'all been been in the graces of God for so long you've forgotten how much of a little brat you were, for a lack of better terms, before you met Jesus. We all ain't lived with a halo from birth, right? We've had to learn a lot. While wilderness living can offer can offer times of present relief, it's still preventing a purpose. I don't want to stay somewhere just because I'm comfortable. I like being made uncomfortable sometimes. I, I, and this is just me personally. I feel like I do my better work when I'm under pressure. When, I, when, I've, got it, when I've got a deadline or I've got some complicated stuff on my desk, that's when I, I work my best. Somehow or another, I end up becoming focused. Don't ask me how that happens. But I start to get focused. I can be twisted up with what I'm supposed to be preaching on a Sunday morning and get here at 6, 6.30 and turn on the computer and the next thing you know i got a scripture and now I'm focused. I don't have what's going on in my family. I don't have what's going on at work. I don't have what's going on here and what's going on. I've become focused now because I want to hear God. See, I just told on myself, you might as well just go ahead and tell on you. This morning is a good morning of confession. You go all week and let everything in your life distract you. I just told you that's what I've done. Let, let the whole week distract me. And it comes down to the wire and I'm going, God. Oh, we talked about it. Paul said it. <laughs> How many of you went after that message and still went and done something that you didn't want to do? You've done something you hated. I mean, if you wasn't here for the message, I mean, but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, we all do it. We're, we're all going to fall all the time. It's just, it's there. It's inevitable because we have yet to learn how to let God be Lord of our lives. We've yet to learn to walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. And we allow everything in our life to keep us from our potential. But everything God has assigned to you and everything that God has purposed for you is in your next step. What are you going to do with it? God's looking for a church, baby. The earth is moaning for the sons of God. God's been calling to a church for generations. And it almost seems as though the church is waning. Because we won't get out of our wilderness. After all, I go to church every Sunday. 
there most of the time on Wednesdays. If they have an outreach, I might even go to that. A tithe. And God's going, I, I, want, you on, I want you on the street laying hands on people Amen. and healing people. Amen. Here, I'm going to take you a little further because I know y'all going to be uncomfortable about this. God wants to put you in front of a witch so you can cast out demons. Right. Some of you say, well, that's it. Count me out. <laughs> Listen. He said to go and have dominion. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail. You know what that means? That me I don't have time. When he told Peter, he said it's on this rock. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means the gates of hell can't hold it back. So what does that mean for the church? That means the church has now got to come out of the defensive and get into the offensive and take over. Read your Bible. And the church has been going like this. Uh, well, God ain't going to let the Satan get in. Satan's already been in church. Some of you might be sitting beside me. I'm joking. Is it loosen up? Man, it's okay. The Bible says that laughter is good medicine. Loosen up. Lenore said, no, he's sitting behind me. But it. Did she say that out loud? <laughs> and the church has been caught in a wilderness state. And it's not that the church isn't alive. It's, it's still alive. It's still living. But the church isn't doing its potential. The church is living out its preparation. See, we've, we've had to preach. It's like the, maybe the third time in my career that I've ever looked at my watch to see what time it is. And you know what that just done to me? Sorry. Um, there ain't no getting it back. I can't. I can't even find it. That's where you're gonna get left this morning. Don't let your complacency keep you in a place that doesn't own up to your potential. Be willing to take your next step. Man, if this, this might not be so much individualized this morning. This might be church-wide. I mean, churches, did you ever think that you would ever see churches selling churches? 
Churches are selling churches. Church growth is plateaued. We, we've gone to, there it is, thank you Holy Spirit. All of that preaching and teaching that we've been doing, we have done it focused on you and not focused on the purpose of God. The preachers have to make you happy for you to come back. And the preachers think that it's satisfying the kingdom because he's got every, every chair accounted for. And we're trying to grow a little bit more. So we, we turn completely from the word. We'll give you two words of the scripture and then we'll tell you how you can be better next week. You've got pastors standing and influencing one of the largest congregations in the world and they do not even involve themselves or do not even call themselves a pastor. They are a life coach, a motivator and they have one of the largest congregations in the world. And people are flooding them. And they're leaving defeated every day. I've sat and had breakfast with pastors. Lunches with pastors. And the things that I hear come out of their mouth. I'm going, really? And for the most part, John, they don't even know me. It's the first introduction, and they will let anything fly from their mouth. And people are flocking to them because they do not hold the people accountable. I'm not going to let you sit and use every profanity in the book and think it's okay without me calling you down. Now, you, you can like me, lump me, take me to the bridge, and dump me. You can do whatever you want to do with me. I'm telling you now that the Bible says to do away with it. Go to Colossians. He'll tell you everything about cleaning yourself up, taking off the old man, putting on the new man. But we don't understand why we're still sitting in the wilderness. Because you think where you are is good enough. God's looking for a holy and a righteous people. One that he can call peculiar. Peculiar is not crazy. It's not. Peculiar means it's actually positioned for that. It, it, it would be, here sim, simplistic terms. It would be like going to a restaurant for a certain food. They are peculiar. They're known for that. Go do your own research on peculiar and find out why they were called peculiar. Because they was after the things of God. And now we become after the things of the world. We're no longer peculiar. We're no longer enticing or interesting to the world because the world looks at us as if they're looking in a mirror. Your, ne your next step I'm getting away from individualized, so don't get offended. The church, your next step is to come out of the wilderness and step into the things that scare you the most 
to walk over into the potential. We better, we better fix it fast because we're slipping rapidly. You've got pastors, homosexuals, standing behind the pulpit saying, it's okay, it's not okay. You got pastors marrying the same kind. It's not okay. If you're not part of this party or part of that party, you can't be part of the church because you'll get ridiculed. It ain't about if I've told you I'm not for a donkey and I'm not for an elephant. I'm for the lamb. And if you can't line up with his word, I don't need to vote for you. Why is the church slipping? Stop. I got to quit. It gets me mad. I'm tired of watching the abuse in church. If you didn't hear anything else I said today, you hear this and I'm closing. If you don't hear nothing else, you hear this. After death, there is judgment. And you will stand before the Creator and give an account. Now you take that home however you want to take it. If you need to put it in a tissue, you can take it home in a tissue. However you take it, you better take it with you. Because there's coming a day that you're going to have to stand. And you can't give, you can't give God the excuse you give pastor. Well, I think that it was. It's not about what you think. I got mad and went back to some old Pentecostal hell and fire damnation stuff, didn't I? It's not what I'm cut for. I'm just, I'm trying to provoke you. You, please, for the sake of his name and the sake of heaven, repent. Change your Let this mind be in you. Take this law and meditate on it both day and night. Don't let this fall from you. It wasn't supposed to end that way. By Facebook, by YouTube, it was not supposed to end that way. Listen, I'm t- if I could believe that God was at the edge of his seat leaning through the clouds and screaming, please listen, I would tell you that. I just, I don't know that he's really doing that. There's only one other time in scripture that I think Jesus stood up, and that's when Stephen... Jesus said, that's my boy. Man, wouldn't you like to enter heaven like that? That's my girl. That's my boy. Man, I want to be introduced to God in heaven by Jesus himself. Forget Peter. 
I want, I want Jesus to come up and say, that's my boy. Let's go see daddy. Ooh. Can you imagine being touched by the hands that were pierced for your salvation? Can, can you imagine walking beside the man that laid his life down for you and taken to daddy? That's my boy. I don't want to be caught. I don't want to be caught with Jesus going, well, I mean, we give it a shot, didn't we? We, we give it a shot. I mean, you, you stayed in the wilderness for the rest of your life. I got you out of bondage. I saved your soul. I snatched you from the pits of hell. I brought you away from what you were bound to. And I give you an opportunity to walk into freedom. And you chose to sit there because it gave you a place of comfort. But there was so much more. I, think. I don't want to see my storeroom. All of those boxes, and I bet you he's got totes he went to Walmart and bought. And he's wrote my name on them. And it's filled up four, five, six different storehouses. And he's going to look at what you... What you do for the purpose of the kingdom depends on your next step. Let's stand I'm, 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 I, I got to leave you alone let you go. Didn't mean to get twisted on you sideways there, but sometimes I just have to let go. And My wife's still teaching me how to be politically correct. She's got her hands full. Y'all just stretch your hands towards my life. My wife just pray for her. <laughs> She's got a lot of work. Because I get passionate. It's not, listen, I'm not, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the enemy. And I'm angry at the church. The church is doing the kingdom an injustice. When's the last time somebody witnessed you and said they give their heart to the Lord? Why? Why is it so few and far in between? And I'm not saying people, you, you had to see somebody walk down the aisle. Y'all know my feelings on that. Uh, you, don't, you ain't got to come to me and confess your sins. The Holy Spirit can convict you right where you at and lead you right on into glory with God sitting in your seat and you ain't never had to repeat no prayer after me. My prayer is not your prayer. Your prayer is between you and the Holy Father. And that's it. And if the Holy Spirit's got enough about him to lead you to God, he's got enough about him to let you know what to do before him. Some will cry their way into salvation. Others will pass out. Some will say, Father, I'm sorry and I'm going to try better. And they're just as saved as you are. I know it didn't go along with your religious beatitudes. They might be the one up there giving you, <laughs> they might be giving you your direction when you come into heaven. Don't be mad at them. Love on them because you're going to have to eat with them later. Well, what y'all going to do then? Y'all got to eat beside people that you don't like. I can't wait to see that. I just can't. I'm hoping God will give me a picture of that before it even happens. <laughs>